This morning, I want us to think about this process or this thought process of temptation and let us apply it to our spiritual lives. Let us think about the temptation that you have in your life. I want you to think about something this morning that tempts you, whatever that temptation may be. We're all faced with different temptations. Uh, Things entice us at different points in our lives. Temptations have probably changed throughout your life. But as we begin our study this morning, I want you to think about temptations in your life and what tempts you. Is something this morning tempting you? Is there something this morning that you would rather be doing than worshiping God? Is there a temptation out there? Uh, We know that that from time to time people fall into those temptations. And people find things on Sunday morning or Sunday evening or or Wednesday night that that takes them away from worshiping God. It's a temptation. Uh, It's something that they enjoy doing. Uh, We've had some of the best weather that you can think of these past couple of weeks. And so this morning, there's a lot of things that we could be doing rather than worshiping God. There's temptations out there. There's probably a temptation to be on a lake somewhere fishing, or to be on a golf course somewhere, or to be doing whatever. There are temptations this morning to be doing something other than worshiping God. But you're here for a reason. You've made a decision to worship God. You've made this your priority this morning, and and God commends you for that. God is happy when we make those decisions. Sometimes we are not so successful when facing temptation, and we maybe go the other direction. There's three temptations that I want us to think about this morning that we face in life. The first thing is, what do I do? Where can I find encouragement when I'm tempted to judge myself based on the actions of others. When I'm tempted to judge myself based on the actions of others. There's a story that you find in in Matthew chapter 18. And this story is one that that we may have read in our lives from time to time, but uh, we may have given it some thought, but there's an important message that can be found here. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is in the middle of His ministry. He's been teaching... And he's been uh, performing miracles. He's been doing all of his works. And in the middle of that ministry, the apostles approach Jesus and they ask him a question. And the question that they ask him is, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You see, we as humans are naturally competitive people. It's hard to to begin something and not become competitive at that event pretty quickly. Uh, Things tend to turn into competition pretty quickly in life. That's human nature. That's kind of the American spirit that we've grown up learning and, and seeing each and every day is to be competitive, to try to be the best at what we can be. And here the apostles have fallen into that same human nature side of things. And they're asking Jesus, who's going to be the greatest? In other words... Who's doing the best? Who do you think the best is? When those apostles were hand-chosen by Jesus, I tend to think that there initially was probably some humility involved. I think there's a reason Jesus chose those that He chose. And I think on that day that they were chosen, there was some humility. And I think maybe being chosen was the greatest thing that they could imagine in their lives. But as they began to work and as they began to see everything that Jesus could do, 
as they begin to see all of these works being done, soon that wasn't good enough. And that competition side of life kicked in a little bit more. And now it's not, do I want to be one of the twelve? I want to be the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest? And so even we today may fall into that temptation. Sometimes maybe you're, you're sitting there on a, on a Tuesday afternoon and you're wondering to yourself, am I doing enough to serve God? Am I doing enough to satisfy God? And maybe the first thing that pops into your head is, well, I don't know if I'm doing enough, but I'm doing more than so-and-so over there. I'm doing more than, than so-and-so over there, so I, I've got to be doing something right. He's a, he's a pretty faithful person. He may even be a deacon or an elder, but I'm doing more than that person. And so we begin to compare ourselves with, with others. And we begin to say, you know what? In my office building, there are ten of us. I'm the best Christian in this office building, so I'm doing something right. <coughs> and I think from time to time, we understand that's the human nature, to compare ourselves. How are we doing compared to this person? But when we read Scripture, that's not the message that we're taught. Jesus never says, I want you to go into the world and I want you to teach everybody that knows less than you the gospel. I want you to go into the world and I want you to teach the gospel to everyone who's not trying as hard as you are. Christ gives us the message to go into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature. There's no comparison there. Have you ever thought about that moment? Maybe you can teach something to someone who knows far more than you do. But maybe there's something that they don't know that's going to save their soul one day. Maybe they know everything there is to know about the Bible except for fill in the blank, whatever it may be. But maybe it's that part that keeps them from serving God the way He wants to be served. Sometimes you may be, may be asked or, or may come into that situation where you can teach someone who knows more than you do. But you have that piece of information that they need to get to heaven. Jesus wants us to teach all. He doesn't want us to compare ourselves and think, oh, if I'm doing better than this person, that's good enough. When we think about this method of comparison Scripture teaches us constantly that there is one comparison that we should be comparing our lives to. And that's to Jesus Christ. You see, He gave us the perfect example. And if we compare our lives to His, we're never going to quite meet up. But we have a perfect example to look to. And we know when we make that comparison, that if we can get close... We're doing exactly what God wants us to do because that's going to be giving our all to God. We're never going to be perfect and we understand that. But if we strive each and every day for perfection, that means we, make up, we, we wake up with a mentality to put God first. We wake up with a mentality to do everything that we can to please God. While we know that perfection is not going to happen in the end, we give it our all, we give it our very best, And that's exactly what God has required of us. You see, when you're living your life and you're tempted to compare yourself to someone, compare yourself to Christ because He's the perfect example. We know if we make that comparison that we're headed in the right direction. The second temptation that we're we're faced with is what do we do when we're tempted to sin? Now, 
As we begin this thought, I know that's kind of a vague statement, but when we think about the room this morning, we could probably mention any number of sins, and somebody sitting here this morning is tempted by that particular sin. And so rather than naming just one sin, we're going to think about the concept of sin. Open your Bibles to the 139th Psalm. Psalm 139. Here in, in Psalm 139, I think we provide one of the, or we see one of the greatest comforts that has been provided to us as Christians. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1, we read, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Here we see something that hopefully we already knew as Christians. And that's the fact that God knows everything there is to know about us. And your first reaction to that may be, well, that's... Pretty simple. He created us. Of course He's going to know everything there is to know about us. Here's why I think that's one of the greatest comforts provided in Scripture. The fact that God knows everything about you. God created you to be exactly the person you are today. He created you to be the person that you are, to think the way that you think, to act the way that you act. He created you for a reason. He created you... For a purpose. Here's where I think the comfort comes in for me at least. The same person who created you will be the person who in the end judges you. Is it not a little bit comforting to think that on the day of judgment, the person who's judging you is the same person that created you? You see, the same God that created me will be the judge that one day judges my actions. The same God that made my brain work the way that it does will be the God that judges my thoughts and my actions one day. God understands that from time to time, things are going to pop into our heads that are not the best things to pop into our heads. We live in a world where we see so much each and every day that sometimes evil thoughts pop into our heart, pop into our minds. That's the God that created us. That doesn't show imperfection in His creation. I think it shows that God understands that we're human. God knows that from time to time we're going to mess up. I want to challenge you to do something for seven days. From now until next Sunday. I don't think it's a bad thing to do for the rest of your life. But do it at least for the next week. You see, so often, and I'm guilty of this too, so I'm talking to myself this morning. So often we think of ourselves as sinners. We call ourselves sinners. And while that's true, while we do sin, and I'm not saying that we don't sin, I want you for the next seven days... To think of yourself not as a sinner, but as God's child who sometimes messes up. Because you see, sometimes I think we call ourselves sinners so much 
that in our minds we tell ourselves to be a sinner. That means that I wake up in the morning looking to sin. I go out in the world looking to sin. Because when I hear the word sinner, that's what pops into my mind. And we call ourselves sinners so much that sometimes I think we don't give ourselves credit for doing the good things in life. For the next seven days, I want you to call yourself not a sinner. Call yourself God's child. How much better does that sound than sinner? I'm God's child. I'm God's son. I'm God's daughter. I think that gives a whole new mentality rather than the word sinner. I think from time to time in our lives, absolutely, we need to understand that we do sin and we do fall short. But just as we talked about a few minutes ago, there's something that each and every one of us could be doing this morning rather than worshiping God. You worship God because you're God's child. Because you know that's what God wants you to do. You're not here this morning because you're a sinner and look for sin in your life. You're here this morning because you're God's child. For the next seven days, call yourself God's child. Give yourself a little bit of credit for the good things that we do. I think Ninth Avenue, the people sitting in these pews this morning, do some of the greatest things in the kingdom. We have some of the most wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ that you could ever imagine. I've got friendships that will last forever just because of growing up at Ninth Avenue. I don't see these pews this morning as filled with sinners. It's filled with God's children. We need to be willing to forgive ourselves just as much as God's willing to forgive us. Do we sin? Absolutely. But we're God's children who mess up. Sin is not the normal in our life. Being God's child is the normal in our life. Sin is a mistake that we make from time to time. Even if we sin daily, we're still God's children who happen to sin. We're not sinners who happen to come to a building this morning. Be God's child. Don't think of yourself as a sinner. Be positive in your thinking about the way that you serve God. The third temptation that we face from time to time is that temptation that sometimes you just want to throw in the towel. Sometimes you're tempted to just give up and quit. If your Bibles are still open to the book of Psalm, turn back a few pages, a few books to the book of Esther. And here we see a story of a temptation to give up. In chapter 4 of the book of Esther, we see a story of a young lady who was chosen to be queen. A young lady who had grown in ranks. And the king had signed into law that all Jews would be persecuted. And Esther is presented with a situation. And Mordecai goes to Esther and he says, your people, our people, we need relief from this law. We need to let the king know how dangerous this law is to the Jewish people. In verse 11 of Esther chapter 4, we see Esther's response. She says, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces 
Know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except to the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come in the king these 30 days. And so that message is sent back to Mordecai. And if we pause here and we forget that we may know the rest of of how this story is going to end, we put ourselves in Esther's shoes for just a moment. There's an opportunity facing Esther at this particular time. But there's also a challenge, challenge facing Esther at this time. You see, she has the opportunity that maybe she can save the Jews. Maybe she can go before the king and hold up his scepter and and her people will be saved, herself included. But there's also the possibility of death. There's also a possibility that she could be put to death for what she's about to do. We heard the story maybe a year or so ago when we had a missionary, and I've gone blank as to which one it was, But he came and he stood here to give a report and he told us a story (coughs) about teaching in China. And he talked about a baptism that they were performing and and soldiers arriving and and, and those being held at gunpoint. And he said that, that they surely thought they were fixing to face death. And he talked about how the soldier actually wanted to be baptized himself. But there are men and women each and every day today that put their lives on the line to spread the Word of God. They go into foreign fields in which Christianity is punishable by death. And they teach, and they preach. And we hear about those who host missionaries that have said, if any of these missionaries come and stay with me, and even if they break a law, I will take all the punishment. That would take faith. That would take a huge amount of faith. There would be a temptation there from time to time that you would think, you know what, is that really worth it? I can can just stay around here and and teach and and I can do some good things and and maybe opportunities will come, but I'm not going to put my life on the line. You see, Esther could have thought to herself, well, I'm the queen. Maybe when he decides to enact this law... He'll just overlook me since I'm the queen. And yeah, maybe my people may be persecuted, but but I'll be safe. I really don't want to do this. I just want to give up. Maybe there's something going on in your life and and you think, you know what, I've sinned. I've done this horrible thing. I don't think God will ever forgive me. I'm just going to throw in the towel. I'm going to have as much fun as I can for the next few years and, and then I'll face whatever consequences may happen after death. I'm just going to throw in the towel. I I can't do it anymore. I'm so frustrated. I'm so disappointed. I just can't do it anymore. I'm just ready to quit. There's this one temptation that I can't overcome, and so I'm just going to give up on all of them. I think that's a temptation we all, myself included, have faced from time to time. What do we do to keep on? Let's read. Let's continue to look at this story and see if we can get hope from Esther. After they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. 
For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether or not you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You see, Mordecai reminds Esther, he says, God's going to deliver the Jews. You can throw in the towel, and you can face persecution, and you can perish. That's your choice. God will deliver the Jews. We have that same hope today. God has promised us that until the day of judgment, God's church will exist on this earth. Nothing will happen to destroy the church until the church is called home for eternity. Here's the question. Here's the temptation. Do I throw in the towel... Do I become one of the world? Or do I look in the mirror and say, you know what? Maybe I'm that person who God's going to use to help make sure that the church remains until Judgment Day. You see, Mordecai didn't tell Esther, if you refuse to do this, God will do it himself. Mordecai tells Esther, if you don't do this, God will find somebody that will. The church will be here until it's called home for judgment. God will use somebody to spread the message and make sure the kingdom exists on earth. Why not you? Why can't God use you? Maybe you're going to be that person that saves somebody for eternity. Maybe you're going to be somebody's Esther. Maybe there's somebody that you work with or that you do some sort of activity with. Maybe there's somebody that you play golf with or you play cards with. And you're going to be that person's Esther. What if that person that you see in the grocery store this afternoon is represented by the Jewish nation who is facing persecution and peril? And you're that person's Esther. What if that person that you see next week at lunch has lost all hope in their life and they're ready to throw in the towel, but you can give them the hope that they need to face tomorrow? What if you can be somebody's Esther? God has promised us that the church will last until it's called home for eternity. Maybe you're going to be what keeps the church going. God will use somebody. Why can't He use us? Why can't He use you? Why can't He use me? We're capable. God has given us everything that we need to be successful in that endeavor. It's just up to us. Are we going to throw in the towel? Are we going to roll up our sleeves and go to battle? Are you ready to be used by God to make sure that the church is here forever, as long as this earth is. As we bring this lesson to a close, I ask you at the beginning to think about a temptation that was in your life. I want you to finish today's lesson by thinking about that temptation. Maybe it's the temptation to quit. Maybe it's just a certain particular temptation 
Or maybe you've been thinking to yourself, well, you know what, I'm better than this group of people, so that's good enough. Whatever that temptation is this morning, don't leave this room with that temptation. If you have paper with you this morning, and this was actually going to be on the bottom of our bulletin and, or our handout, and since it didn't print, we didn't get to do this. So you can do this on your own if you choose to. You don't have to. But if you have paper with you this morning and want to do this, write down what your biggest temptation is. And when you walk out the door this morning, find a garbage can and throw that temptation in the garbage can. It's not going to make that temptation disappear. But in your mind, we need to throw temptation away sometimes. God has promised us that every temptation, there's going to be a, He's going to provide a way of escape. Do we look for that way of escape? In the book of James, the beginning of the book of James, to, to me, possibly one of the most encouraging books of Scripture, we see in verse 2, Count it all joys, my brother, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Count it a joy when you face trials because it produces steadfastness. In other words, when you're tempted and you overcome those temptations, you're growing. You're growing as a Christian. You're growing as God's child. There's a reason we face those trials and we get stronger with each one that we defeat. This morning, if you've been calling yourself a sinner and you're tired of being a sinner, make that change. This morning, I can't offer you a life that will be free from temptation. But don't live a life that's free from hope. Because while Jesus didn't come to this earth to take away our temptation, He did come to this earth to make sure that we never had to live a day without hope. Sometimes we're going to give in to temptation. But if we strive each and every day to be God's child, we never have to live a day of our life without hope. Once we put on Christ in baptism and we have our sins washed away, that's the first day of our life that we truly have hope to spend eternity with God in heaven. From that day forward, even when we mess up, we know that we have a Savior that wants us to give an eternal life in heaven. This morning, if you feel you have no hope, we can help you throw those temptations away. We can do it with you. We can do it by putting our arm around you. We can do it by praying for you. We can do it through whatever we can do to make it possible to help you get rid of that temptation in your life. If you're facing something this morning and you walk down the aisles, there's no magic words that are going to make those temptations go away. But there are some words that can be said to make sure that not only will you leave with help, you'll leave with hope. And that's the greatest thing that you can leave with. If you need to get rid of temptation in your life, let us help you do that. Let us pray for you. Let us pray with you. Come right now while together we stand and while we sing.